I desperately want to do Catherine Bigelow. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. We're continuing our Real Ripe and Real Rotten. This is not Star Trek. We're talking about Real Ripe and Real Rotten. This is a podcast that takes a look at the highs and lows of your favorite Hollywood artists. Each month we're going to be using Rotten Tomatoes to determine the best and the worst film in one individual filmography. Listen along and try to figure out what went right and what went wrong. My name is Wes Teasdale. I'm joined as always by Clay McCormick. Clay, how are you? Good. I uh, When we run out of movies ideas to do, I think we should... Um merge the two podcasts and go through and reel or uh, sorry ripe or rotten every episode of star trek we've watched <laughs> it's it's too bad and, we'll, I, and i mean that as like the royal we because i will not be there to do it yeah we'll be using the uh, the the vu the vo and vu and vos uh, form of the language i think at that point we're going to be talking about scott pilgrim versus the world which is edgar wright's lowest rated movie which i think has actually improved since we determined it because i remember it being in the 70s on the tomato meter and now it's at 81 percent on tomato meter and it is considered to be at least according to rotten tomatoes edgar wright's worst film it's a 2010 action comedy film co-written produced and directed by edgar wright based on the graphic novel series scott pilgrim by brian lee o'malley stars michael sarah as scott pilgrim a slacker musician who must battle the seven evil exes of his newest girlfriend ramona so clay we did his best one which is baby driver neither of us had Mm -hmm. uh really a problem with it we thought it was fine it was a perfectly serviceable little movie and now we are at the worst of the worst at 81 percent the critic consensus for this one on Rotten Tomatoes. Its script may not be as dazzling as its eye-popping visuals, but Scott Pilgrim vs. the World is fast, funny, and in- in- inventive. So what say you, Clay? Or should we should we take a break and give people a uh, chance to hear the trailer so that they're refreshed about what this movie is about? Yeah. All right. Let's do that. We're going to be back in a couple seconds. Hey, what's up? I'll leave you alone forever now. You know this one girl with hair like this? Yes, that's Ramona Flowers. She's out of your league. You know her? Tell me now. She just moved here, got a job at Amazon. I have to order something really cool. Scott, are you waiting for the package you just ordered? Maybe. Scott Pilgrim? Hi, I was thinking about asking you out, but then I realized how stupid that would be. That's okay, you should just sign for this, all right? So do you want to go out sometime? I say yes, we sign for your damn package. So yeah, eight o'clock? Come to this Battle of the Bands thing. You have a band. Yeah, we're terrible. One, two, three, ah! Mr. Pilgrim! I'm Ramona's first evil ex-boyfriend. What? Ah! Wait, we're fighting over Ramona? Didn't you get my email explaining the situation? I skimmed it. Mm-mm. What was that all about? If we're gonna date, you may have to defeat my seven evil exes. So what you're saying is we are dating? I guess. Does that mean we can make out? Sure. Scott Pilgrim! Prepare to feel the wrath of the League of Evil Exes. Ramona dated twins. At the same time. If you want something bad, you have to fight for it. Step up your game, Scott. Break out the L word. Lesbian? The other L word. Lesbians? What are you doing? Getting a life. 
You want to fight me for her? Why on earth would you want to do that? Because I'm in love with her. Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Maybe next time we don't date the girl with 11 evil ex-boyfriends. Seven. Oh, that's not that bad. All right, Clay, so we're continuing a journey through Edgar Wright, which I knew going in was going to be, um, it's, it, you know, it's funny, the concepts of the podcast are the best and the worst, and mm-hmm. both of these movies have been like right in the middle for me. It, it feels like wrong to the spirit of the show. It's neither a great movie, nor is it like, wow, what the hell is this piece of garbage that I'm watching? Um, Scott Pilgrim is, it's a fine movie. I remember watching it when it came out. I thought it was fine. I rewatched it yesterday and and it's fine um and so i don't really i don't really know you seem to have a much uh, less of an opinion about this movie and i'm not going to say this was one that i really want to ever watch again but i find it i find it unemotionally interesting and sort of not intellectually interesting either it's just mm-hmm. kind of a movie that is a summer popcorn blockbuster thing where i have a couple friends who really like summer blockbuster movies and always say that when I go, they go to see them, that they just want to shut their brain off and watch explosions, basically. Right. And I don't really ever buy into that. And I feel like this movie is kind of that way, except it's not the Michael Bayness of it. So what did you think about Scott Pilgrim? Well, um, <clears throat> the first time I watched it, I really didn't care for it. And uh, I have to say, on rewatch, actually, I think I liked it even less. I, I hated this movie. Um, Hmm. and so I will say the visual stuff is pretty fun. Uh, I haven't read the book, but I know more or less what the visual aesthetic is. And I feel like this probably captures it pretty well. Um, and they're doing some cool stuff. It's a nice blend of Edgar Wright's usual style that, um, kind of, I don't, I don't really know how to describe his style other than like pop culture not that's that's unfair though like there's a pop music sensibility to the way that he shoots and, and cuts his movies yeah um and music I think video-y. It's a good, just like baby yeah. driver was a better example of that i think it's music video video but it's like more lived in than that like it's a little bit more uh considered i feel like than just a, just you know your, your casual music video style yeah it's a style i feel that is born out of legitimate love for pop music and pop music videos um, that plus a lot of video game aesthetic and comic book stuff, you know, there's some, they, you know, they do like the, uh, they panel up the screen a little bit in some cases. Yep. Um, and some of the, it's, it's, you know, it's charming in places. Uh, I think the characters are kind of fun. Um, at least the, everybody who's in it seems to be doing a pretty good job. Uh, it, it but, caught a lot of it caught a lot of names at the beginning of their careers. I feel like yeah, it, it got yeah. Chris Evans. It got, um, I forget her name. The girl from Parks and Rec, Aubrey now, Plaza, yeah, yeah, Anna Kendrick, uh, yes, um, yeah. Michael Sarah, who was off of yeah. Arrested Development, yeah, Jason Schwartzman, uh, Allison Brie, who oh, will oh, yeah. be Captain Marvel <laughs> next summer. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and this came out in 2010, so I feel like um, it captured all those people at the start of something. And the 2010 date is weird for me. This movie feels both incredibly old and incredibly new to me yeah, somehow yeah uh it, it fits 2010 is like a weird point in time i think for how i view movies but it sits firmly in that this feels incredibly old yet it looks incredibly modern at the same time 
Yeah, I actually was look just looking it up as to when it came out because in my head it feels like it came out in like 2005, but it only came out in 2010. But also, I mean, I'm an old man now, so uh, 20 years and 10 years are, are nothing between friends. No, no. So, uh, I mean, 2010 <laughs> feels like yesterday, but it was almost 10 years ago. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, But, you know, I, I think all the surface level stuff is fine, but I think the story of this movie is complete horseshit. I'm. I think it's. It's beyond. Frankly, bo- it's kind beyond of boring. Okay, so yeah, I just I think, think it's boring. Yeah. yeah, go ahead. It's it's boring. It's it's the idea of uh, a being a twenty year old or a twenty two year old written by. It seems like it's written by a fifteen year old. Yes, um, I'd agree with that. The, it, it the character very of yeah, the character of Scott Pilgrim is intensely dislikable. Uh, he's pretty much shitty to everybody, uh, but he's played off in a kind of charming, sort of quirky kind of way. And Ramona Flowers might be the worst female character I've seen in a movie in, like, 20 years. <laughs> she is literally a manic pixie dream girl in the fact that he conjures her up out of his his fucking dream. Um, everything that happens in this is uh, uh, basically her fault, whether or not that's true or not. She perceives it to be the case. She has no agency whatsoever in anything that happens. And even at the end, after everybody like gets all happy and stuff, she's like, well, I gave my may as well leave because all of this is my fault and I don't want anybody to get hurt. Like she's, it's like, it's this entire concept is just like a gross, you know, teenage male fantasy that is really, I find kind of insulting. Yeah, it is, it is a young male fantasy. I'm... Every every single girl in this movie, except for Aubrey Plaza, but I'm sure probably she even has like an unre- you know a deep down thing. Every single female in this movie inexplicably is in love with Scott Pilgrim, and he's a piece of shit. And it's like, <laughs> like literally everyone. Uh, uh, Knives, the gr- the young girl, is head over heels. Uh, Ramona Flowers likes him for no apparent reason other than the fact that she is quirky and he is quirky, and like she doesn't even like exhibit any emotion towards him she just starts like kissing him yeah, yeah uh and then all of a sudden they're like you know pinned to the hip uh the drummer in his band has is still in love with him even though she like he like fucked her over his ex-girlfriend who's supposed to be this like evil monster even she is still has feelings for him because she's and en- you know her name is envy which works because, you know, he's envious of her, but then she's envious of his new girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, the only woman in this movie, aside from Aubrey, Aubrey Plaza, who isn't, like, somewhat in love with Scott Pilgrim, is his sister. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's like, I I don't know. I just find this whole movie fucking awful. It is a very... Um... The Seinfeld music drop was nice, though. That was fun. <laughs> the um, It's a very young male fantasy episode. And I guess... <clears throat> I, do I want to start there or just go off to the thing? So I think that, yeah, I'll, I'll continue down this path, I guess, about the story, and then we can go into something else. But the, it, it's a very, it was a script and an idea that kind of walk the line between. There's a lot of ways where it could have gone really, really wrong. I think, especially, especially when a lot of the material here in like the woke age of 2018 feels really dated and offensive. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, it feels really. Not not to me personally, but I feel like if this movie came out nowadays, I think like Twitter would have exploded about how dated some of the opinions are in it. Yeah. 
And that's what I mean by the movie feels old. It feels like it could have been like a mid-90s script. Like it has that kind of material where he's got a gay roommate who he doesn't want to walk in on him having sex with his roommates. And um, they all sleep in the same bed and and things like that. And it's got the vegan joke. One of the boyfriends is a vegan. Yeah. and that it, actually was my favorite boyfriend. He's sequence. my he's my Brandon, favorite boyfriend. Too. Brandon Ruth stuff was really good. I like that stuff. <laughs> he is mine. I liked uh, Chris Evans's performance, but I like the concept of yeah. the vegan uh, one the best. Um, Chris Evans might have the best line where he says, uh, "So this is your new boyfriend, huh? He seems nice." And then he goes back and beating him <laughs> up. That was nice. I, that was good. The um, and it, it feels it feels very much like it's a young man's version of what's going on, and it could have even gone wrong into the. It's kind of, without doing it, it's like, I think a modern audience would be like, this is kind of slut-shaming Ramona. Oh, 100%. Yeah. There's even a part halfway through the movie where he, like, yells at her and says, is there anybody here that you haven't slept with? And she's like, uh, she, like, completely demures to him and doesn't stand up for herself and, like, is, yeah. is apologizes for it. And then on top of that, like, it's, it, this movie is, like, it's so weirdly chaste in that he never you know he's dating this underage girl he never sleeps with her he's dating ramona he never sleeps with her they just kind of like cuddle and kiss is ramona his and age then, or supposed to be older sorry to interrupt but it, it, did uh, they ever say i that? assumed i don't think they say i assumed she was supposed to be more or less the same age okay okay but they they don't you know they never sleep together they just kind of like cuddle and kiss and then uh the only the only time uh, any of the females uh, get to have sex, they're vilified for it. Yep. Ramona, because uh, Scott gets pissed at her because of all of her ex-boyfriends. Yeah. And uh, also <laughs> um, Scott's ex-girlfriend, because she went off and slept with that other dude. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's, and it's, I think it's a, it's a, it's this sort of like, they have, they can't let Scott actually sleep with anybody because then he becomes a legitimate asshole because then he start a, he starts sleeping with an underage girl on one hand, or he starts sleeping with Ramona cheat, like actively, actively cheating on his girlfriend. Yeah. Whereas now the way it is now, he just sort of like is like cuddling and you know, it's, it's still cheating, but it's like not as bad as it could be. Yes. So, and, and it's, I don't know. It's, and the entire idea that she has to apologize for her past love life is is fucking insulting as hell. Yeah, it, it is. Yeah. Like the, the so the only way I think this story would work, and uh, and uh, and I'll get to another reason why they dropped the ball at the end here is if the at the end they pull a prisoner type reveal, and it turns out that the person who put all of the this whole conglomerate of ex boyfriends together is Dark Scott Pilgrim, who he does fight. But even there, he doesn't get to fight him. They just end up, they cut away and they walk out and he's like, yeah, he's actually not such a bad guy. And it absolves him of any sort of personal, you know, struggle he has to go through for himself. Right. So it's because him, if, you're saying it's him coming to terms with his sort of jealousy and insecurity about the ex-boyfriends. Exactly. He, yeah. Exactly. This this shouldn't be, this is not Ramona's problem. This is his fucking problem. And the part where he has this big, like, character reveal of, like, I figured out what's going on. He figures out that he's not fighting them for Ramona. He's fighting them for himself. Yes. Yep. That's not the that's not the character change that you want. The character change that you want here is that he realizes that these other guys have no power whatsoever, and it's not about them, and that he has to focus on him moving forward with her. It's not a matter of like actually defeating these guys. You know, right. it's yeah. I don't know. I I've, I hate this movie. <laughs> I mean, that's the. 
that's really my main takeaway. I didn't have a tremendous amount of notes on it, but it was the fact that the storyline feels incredibly dated. When was this book written? Uh, let me see here. Um, it started in 20, uh, 2004. Yeah. 2010 was when it ran. So that feels more, that feels right to me, the material of being of that era and uh, sort of like what's going on. But I mean, if you say that, I, I understand that you were saying you could improve it by having Scott sort of come to terms with itself. Could you also just say that the movie is okay if you look at it as sort of an un, a non-thoughtful young male, a nerdy young male's approach to teenage love, basically? Like, it, it's the, the thing that I think the movie does the best is that it's up there with, like, Sin City for me in terms of it actually looks like a comic graphic novel. Right. Like, it, mm-hmm. it really feels like that's what it's born out of. Sin City, because they basically mimicked, mimicked it shot for shot about what they were doing. And this one just, the, the way that they uh, cut everything, the way that the fight scenes work, the way that the camera moves and everything, and the, mm-hmm. the framing and the, the sound effects are played over things, with, like, the words are played over the sound effects... It all feels very much like a comic, and I think that it's actually a case of, I've never read the book. I'm just going to assume this because this is what the show is about. I'm just going to assume. I, I assume that the the book is actually pretty good because I think that this material is better served in that way, and once it turned it into a movie, it kind of feels artificial because if, I think if I was reading this as a book, I would approach it more as the sort of young male fantasy of it's a normal sort of setting, but the fights are very comic booky. On top of it, like mm-hmm. it, it's a straight it's a straight setting of high school or post high school kids, but the fight style is very um, outlandish and sort of the action thing of a comic book. And I think that when it's transplanted into the movie, it feels like you need to add something on top of that, as opposed to just being a male fantasy of a guy meeting his ex uh, his girlfriend's ex boyfriends and being jealous and fantasizing about beating the shit out of them. The movie seems to expect more from it, and I think that it suffers because of that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I haven't read the book. Um, I would love anyone who has read the book to tell us where how the book is different than the movie. I assume this um, is one, just one sort of issue of the book, too. Like, this must be one sort of story that ran. It can't be the entire thing, I wouldn't think, but I don't know. Oh, yeah, I don't know. I actually have no idea. Um but, you know, and I get it. I mean, I get that it's like a literalization of a fairly common self-doubt in a new relationship. Yeah. But, like, he doesn't fucking learn anything. Like, the, the I, do, I just don't like, I, again, maybe the book is different, but I don't like the way that his uh, um, ignorance to the actual problem is is actively rewarded. <laughs> and, you know, like I I, <laughs> yeah, I yeah. understand that it's a it's an unthoughtful look at, you know, you know, teenage but that's the thing though. He's not a teenager. He's 22. No, that that's that's the other problem that they're all a little bit too old for what's going on, I feel like. Yeah, that's why it it feels like I mean, I don't know if he's older younger in the book or whatever, but it's it's I don't know. I it's I don't I don't like this story. The um Also, I can't stand this, you know, it, 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 this is another part of the, you know, young teenage male fantasy thing. I can't stand the, like, shitty band culture. It's like this <laughs> this fictionalized thing where you have your characters in a very self-deprecating band who turn out to be actually awesome. And they're all like, you should come see us. We totally suck. I hate that shit. I yep, hate it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a... um. 
Yeah, it feels like the last era of, of uh, a band movie that you could have here. I guess Michael Sarah actually plays the bass, which is something that I learned from doing the little fact checking. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it's. Um, I, I think that the, I think that the unthoughtfulness of the uh, of the story is probably the biggest problem with it. Um, I mean, it's well. It's generally well received. The critics have it at eighty-one percent. Audiences have it at eighty-three percent. It's definitely a kind of shut off your brain thing. And I was wondering as I was watching it if it's just the material, because what I was reminded of when I was watching it was Kill Bill, was an example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and definitely. I was wondering why. I think Kill Bill uh, is a much better movie. Than this, and I don't know if it comes down to Tarantino being a better director. I think than Edgar Wright or the material interests me, but I, I feel like Tarantino does a better job. There's other examples, but Tarantino is the one that comes to mind. Tarantino does a better job of the. There's still like this core to the story that's there. Edgar Wright mm-hmm. in his movie seems to not really be interested in the story of what's going on. He's very much the filmmaker, the visual filmmaker. And I know people always say that film is a visual medium, but like, in my opinion, film is only visual to tell a story. Like it's a visual way of telling a story. So if your story right. isn't particularly interesting, then I don't know what to tell you. And I, the two movies that we've watched for Edgar Wright, neither of which have really felt like the story was anything that I wanted to latch onto. It feels kind of hollow. And Tarantino, as an example, does this sort of genre stuff, but his story is still interesting. And the characters who are in his world are still kind of uh, like neat and you want to hang out with. I don't feel that's anything here. The characters here are too quirky for me. They're too, mm-hmm. I, I, I'd say this isn't a movie I laugh at, but you kind of go like, eh, like cute. You, you kind of call the humor cute, in my opinion. <clears throat> yeah. I, it suffers a little bit for that. Yeah, I would agree. I think, you know, I stand by and I'm looking forward to hopefully confirming my thesis when we get to the be real part of this. But I, I think that the the story aspect of the of the Edgar Wright movies come from Simon Pegg and when Simon Pegg is not part of the writing process I think they suffer a lot um cuz so yeah he's clearly more interested in the visuals um he's very good yeah, at I, the I, visuals these visuals no, hold yeah. up it's it's only been 8 years but they still look pretty pretty good I think yo yeah totally yeah I, I would agree with that like i mean there's some special effects that they were using that are are look pretty modern um yeah. And the the you know, fight the, scenes the fight scenes look pretty good for a bunch of comedy actors in it. You know what I mean? Like yeah, it's it, yeah. it's not a uh, a matrixy thing where Keanu Reeves trained for seven years before shooting the movie. Like the the fight scenes look pretty good for who is actually playing the part of the fighting characters. Yeah, I think you get a little bit of uh, uh, leeway with that stuff because it's meant to be so over the top. So you, you, there are um, some computer flourishes and stuff that you can add that I think are, is more acceptable here than it would be in like a normal action movie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, you can, you can cover it, it, it. If it's not meant to look realistic in the first place, it doesn't matter so much if it doesn't look realistic. Yes, exactly. Um, not that I'm saying this stuff looks uh, exceptionally cartoony or anything, but it all, you know, it all looks of a piece to. like the, the, the right, tone exactly. to yeah. the aesthetic fits throughout the movie. It always feels uh, correct for each fight. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, I mean, I think I think the dude knows how to make a movie. Um, yeah, I just don't like this one. <laughs> <laughs> so why do you think people like it? With this was um, Edgar Wright was our probably most requested. We're still a, a young show here, but he's he he got by far the most votes out of his uh, 
poll, I think, to determine who we were going to talk about. And people in the Discord and everything seem to like him. So what? Mm-hmm. why is that? Well, I don't, um, I mean, I think his style is very, is very hip. And I think he's, he's definitely a, I think, I think in the way that movies are, are the movie industry, or not the movie industry, but the way that movies feel now, um, having a unique voice makes you stand out much higher above a lot of other people, regardless of whether or not everything you do is gold or shit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like. Edgar Wright, you know, stands higher than a lot of people because he has a very clear voice to the way he makes movies. Um, I think it, you can watch an Edgar Wright movie and know, know right away that it's Edgar Wright. Yeah. Uh, the same way you could watch a Tarantino movie and know it's know it's him. The same way you could watch a Zack Snyder movie and, and realize that it's Zack Snyder pretty easily. Um, and I th- I think voices like that are rare enough that when one comes along and it's people tend to to flock to it and i'm not saying that's not a bad thing i mean you should want that you should want uh individuals with their own take on things and their own visual style to flourish because i mean otherwise everything just turns into uh you know homogenized garbage um are you talking but- about star trek yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm, are we ever, are we ever really not talking about Star Trek? <laughs> well, here, here's a, here's a positive review. Uh, this is a ripe review for the movie. Yeah. Scott Pilgrim versus the world becomes a fatal case of flash over substance. However, it's pretty great flash. It's a positive review. So. Sure. I mean, that I mean, is. Yes. If, if that's what you're into, then yeah, this is a good movie, I guess. Yeah. It's just, I. I, sorry. I, but I, uh, I was talking to Sean Murphy about this. Uh, I forget why it came up, but he was talking about, I think we were talking about a specific comic and uh, we got into this kind of debate of whether or not movies with a, with extra style, um, if that style still works, if there's not a solid script behind it or solid story to back it. And he and I were both, we kind of had a bit of mis- miscommunication, but we eventually realized we were both saying the same thing, which is like, <laughs> you could have, you know, visual spectacle is fine, but if you don't have a solid story to back it up, then, you know, what are we even doing here? I, I you know, feel... It's just, it just becomes very hollow. I've brought it up before. I, I feel that you can, you can get away with a visual spectacle for one time. But yeah, the movie won't hold. That, yeah. It won't hold up after that. I feel that way yep. about. Um, I mentioned it before, but the uh, the one with Clive Owen. Uh, oh, shoot him up! Shoot him up! Shoot him up! Was yeah. that way? The first time I watched it, I was like, "That was a lot of fun." And every time I've tried to rewatch it, I'm like, "This movie is boring as fuck." Like, I I just need something. You need something else beyond visual stuff to really hook you. And I guess that if you're big into going to the movies, uh, like the theaters, which I don't really do at this point in my life because the kids, but. I can see you, uh, the friend, my friends who like this movie are generally theater goers who like the summer movie set. So yeah. that, it feels like that really fits in. Like if that's what you're going for, this movie will fit that thing. And you, and I could see that person not ever rewatching those movies, just going for the one initial hit that they get from it. And yeah. um, I guess I'm just a little bit different. I, I like the sort of uh, the replayability of some of the movies. And I feel like this one doesn't have that. I, I also felt I was a little bit more bored by my second rewatch than the first time. 
Yeah, I think I totally get that. I mean, if I had seen this the first time in the theater, um, my initial review probably would have been a little bit different. I mean, hopefully not. But uh, you would have been the, fresh off of Arrested Development. Michael Sarah could do no yeah, wrong. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I can. This is this is a great theater movie. It's it's big. It, it the the size of the movie matches the size of the screen, so you get a lot out of seeing it on a big screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's got it's, loose it's women very, in it. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, loose woman, but not too loose. Yep. Bass players, um, everything you'd yeah. want out of a movie. Only only loose only loose enough to the point where you're okay with it, but any more loose than that, and it's not okay. Well, did she did she have sex with any of the ex-boyfriends? Half of them, I feel, were like, she was like, I was in elementary school, and we held hands for an hour, and he was my boyfriend. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, don't know. If they ever I mean, crossed honestly, that, that kind of makes it even worse, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, it does. Um, and the thing, that, the thing that killed me, too, is even at the end, the, the bad guy, the quote-unquote bad guy, Jason Schwartzman's character, who doesn't actually really do anything bad. He except offer his band a recorded contract. <laughs> the only reason that he is bad is because she can't resist him. Mm-hmm. She's, she's, he, he, and she, even there, she can't even explain it. He's like, so what's the big deal about this guy? And she says, I don't know. He just has some sort of hold over me that I just can't resist. So even in that point... The big bad guy of the of the movie of the story is a bad guy because she can't resist him. Not well, because he, he does anything bad. It's because she can't resist him. Then they then they you know literalize it by having she put a fucking chip in her head. Yeah, or brain control. But, so the, yes, that that's the, the he becomes villainous because he artificially, which is again through the male prism of like why don't you love me? Uh, yeah. Puts the you know put it doesn't it, it, you don't accept responsibility for this is she's just not that into you it's like there must be some other reason that she's not into me it must be this sort of brain control trip uh, which is yeah, what the and, movie does and when she finally rejects him she does it because she like recognizes her own self worth or something it has nothing to do with with him yeah it's all her even even the projecting the negativity onto him is is entirely her yeah uh, yeah I just I don't know I think it's I think it's bullshit. <laughs> So we agreed on the uh, the best boyfriend, uh, which I think is the vegan. We both enjoyed that one. What would you like about him? Uh, I don't know. I just thought, I mean, I like Brandon Ruth. I think he gets the short end of the stick a lot because he was in that shitty Superman movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, which I will say, as much as I don't really care for that movie, the first sequence was Superman in the plane. All timer. Great stuff. <laughs> um, that's how Zack Snyder should have taken a lesson from that as to how you present superman to an audience because that is the literal point where superman returns is fucking great um but yeah i think he's he's kind of the most interesting i guess yeah i think Um, it's the most interesting fight out of all of them yeah definitely except when it turns into a base off which is like yeah whatever (laughs) and Um, the the ex-boyfriend was far the superior bassist in my opinion oh yeah yeah uh yeah, I thought that was cool. I I love the Tom Jane cameo. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> the best the best part about that is when after they've shot him and they're running away in slow motion, they high five each other mm-hmm. and, go, mm-hmm. and go, "Yeah, the, yeah. I like that joke. That was that was, a, that was a good bet." Yeah, um, but the yeah, worst I one are the twins, good. in my opinion. Yeah, the twins was was lame. Yeah. Uh, I think he has the best jokes too. I think uh, most of the other ones, the jokes aren't really that funny. But I thought the the stuff with him was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, there, you know, it just kind of, for the, the actors and everything in this one, uh, it caught a lot of people. We forgot to, uh, Alison Brie, uh, you did mention Alison Brie, didn't you? She, where was she? 
No, not El Simpri. What am I trying to say here? Oh, uh, Brie Larson. Brie Larson. There yeah. we go. Uh, Brie Larson. Too many, cheese, it, too many cheese-based actresses. <laughs> there is, what are the odds that they both come out at the same time? Yeah. Um, I There was a great joke, like a little tiny joke that I thought was pretty funny. Uh, there's the one guy, I think he's from Mad Men, the kind of heavy set guy with the sideburns and the glasses who's like, seems like he's an A&R guy or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, in the last sequence when uh, uh, Scott is coming to into the new club to fight Jason Schwartzman, he walks by this guy and he just has a line where he says, well, the thing about the first album is that it's actually better than the first album, which I thought was a pretty funny joke. <laughs> it's got a uh, Kieran Culkin in it uh, in a fairly uh, sort of odd role, but he's always been uh, in the limelight since his brother stepped down a little bit. It's got a lot mm-hmm. of people in Kendrick, as you mentioned, Aubrey Preza, Brandon Ruth, Schwartzman, um, the girl who plays Knives, I looked her up because she looked really familiar, is on Glow right now. Oh, okay. She's also in The Void, which is an awesome horror movie, if you haven't seen it. Yep, yep. And I'm just looking at the list of people. Yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much it. It's it's a decent, it's a solid to pretty decent cast here. I think everyone does the the best that they can with the material. Michael, Sarah, I think um, the problem with Sarah is that Sarah feels like a personality of a leading man that was... Uh, that's really of an era at this point. Like it, yeah, yeah. It, it feels like the 2010 leading man was, it was Jesse Eisenberg or Michael Sarah, and they're both kind of yep. the same person. <laughs> and yep. uh, like that, it feels like a really of an era thing to have that sort of leading man, which is, I don't know how to describe them, but I describe them as sort of nebbish and uh, a little bit nerdy, but they're not like Woody Allen witty sort of they're 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 odd i i don't know it just it's really just built around those two actors and their sort of physicality and personalities i think they they yeah. tore up the scene for a while yeah i think that style i mean that, that's this this whole like the whole style of this movie not the visual style but like that character style is very much of that mid-2000s era um it's not a, not too dissimilar from like the mumblecore stuff that was going on which yeah. I still don't entirely understand, but yeah, know, to each their own, I guess. Um, Puffy yeah, Couch or it, whatever that movie was. Yeah, yeah it, it's it's weird how they very much, him and Eisenberg were both a very specific character type for like maybe five years. Yeah. Uh, and then they kind of disappeared. Yes. Yes, they did. Then um, Michael Sarah kind of dropped off the face of the earth for a while and Eisenberg became, uh, you know, what's his name from Facebook? Yeah, or Zuckerberg. Uh, Eisenberg yeah, won because he did Social Network. So, uh, yes, yeah. in the in the grand scheme of things, he came out with probably one of the best movies past, uh, you know, one of the best movies of the past twenty years or something. Um, the other, what the hell was the other thing I was going to say about them? Oh, they, I mean, they kind of it, it kind of came about at the time when action heroes just became old men too. Like yeah. that was a thing that yeah. happened for a while. They're like Liam Neeson is now an action star, uh, and this the leading comedy men became sort of the Michael Sarahs of this world. Yeah, the co- the comedy guys turned into the your Seth Rogans and your uh, yeah your Paul Rudds. I'm then, surprised Seth Rogan is not in this movie. It feels like a very Seth Rogany movie to it me. It does. Like, that that A and R guy character feels like that's the Seth Ro- Seth Rogan character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good call. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, we could keep going on. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about with this one? We could keep going on. I don't. I didn't really find it all that fascinating. I think that the the big point that I took away from it was the sort of the unwokeness. I say that sort of. Um, I, I guess I have to define my position there because I I do like to make fun of the wokeness stuff, but at a certain mm-hmm. point, 
at a certain point, I only really have a problem with the wokeness stuff if the criticism is like unjustified about what the movie is doing. Yeah. And here it feels like the the point of view, the perspective of the movie does not really understand what the problem is with right. the characters and the way that they're exactly. writing them. So I, I wouldn't really have a problem with this movie uh, if it was a little bit more self-aware. I wouldn't be like, oh, the material is, is terrible. If it, if it was more self-aware about what Scott Pilgrim's problem was, uh, problem with his girlfriend, uh, ex-boyfriend's was, and the jealousy and how that was manifesting itself, I'd be okay with it. It's really just the fact that it's um, it feels really dated and unaware of what it's talking about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just I I was shocked at the character of Ramona. I I did not remember her being l- as much of a literal object to be passed back and forth between people as she was in this movie. Yeah. Um and I was very surprised by it. Um kind of the Madonna horror complex in a in Oh, a 100%. Yeah. 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 I, and <laughs> Yeah, this the whole conceit of the story just is really rubs me the wrong way. She's um, funny. She's funny too. How she's a uh, she's a character who is, you know, she's sassy, so she'll give something back to the guy, but she ultimately always yields to them. Yeah, it's there's not much of a fight to her. Like she, if her first line is always sort of a salty, sassy woman character thing, and then it's immediately followed by just her, um, capulating to whatever Scott Pilgrim or the other ex-boyfriend wants to do. She's very bound. She is defined by her past romances. I guess everyone kind of is, but she's like, she's like held hostage by her past romances in an interesting way. Yeah. Like the other option I would have taken for some sort of end piece is that she actually ends up diffusing the whole situation by realizing how fucking stupid this is. Yeah. Like that. She's not, she's not something that should be fought. She's not a, a prize to be fought over. She's a fucking human. And yeah, she she even has the point where she's like, yeah, well, we all have baggage. And it's like, yeah, we all have baggage, but you shouldn't be weighed down and judged based on it. Right. You know, that that, bag, that baggage might belong to you, but it has it. There's, there's no reason why you should be uh, your, your self-worth should be judged by who you dated in the seventh grade. Right. <laughs> Come on, man. This movie's the fucking league, stupid. League of Extraordinary Exes, I guess. Yeah, it's a... I don't know, because I I kind of like the... It, it is true. It's all just... I'm just going to keep coming back to the point of being unobserved like in what the movie's saying. But I, I do like the idea of it. Like, it's a kind of a cool idea for a movie or a book or something. Uh, but the point of view just has to be different. I do like the thing about... I, the, the, the fantasy, the male fantasy of beating up the ex-boyfriends is something that's really interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's a really cool idea. And the way that it transplants it into this comic booky sort of fighting style is neat, um, you know. In the world, in, it's a world where it, the tone is also interesting. It's a, it's a real world sort of setting, but they all know the the fighting takes place in the world that they're in. You know, it's not like a fantasy. It's it's the other characters are sort of cheering on the fights and everything like that. It's it's a a, a weird smash up of those kind of things. It doesn't happen in his head or anything. It's always, right. it's just yeah. out in the world. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I like that. It's, it's sort of this, uh, uh, what's the word they use? Magical real, magical realism or something like that. Yeah. Where it's, yeah. you know, it's, it's very fictionalized. I mean, this is probably more magical realism is usually a lot more subtle than this, I think. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like, there's, there's this understanding that what, what is happening is actually happening. Yes. Yeah. And I, I like that. Um, I yeah. think that's it's a, better a, a than way like, to go with it. Just cutting back and forth between him, like, uh, 
after each fight, they cut to him like zoning out for a minute, and they're like, "Man, what's wrong with like everything's happening in his head or something like that?" You know? <laughs> Damn it, Scott, play the bass. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I don't know anything. Did you have anything else you wanted to say about this one? Not really. The I, they mishandle the the, uh, the the one girl past X as well. I think, but you know, we don't need to get the, that, the blonde. Right? Is that the one you're yeah. talking about? I think, is that Anne from? Uh, Arrested Development? Uh, is it? Her name is Allison Pill. No, that's not her. Okay. Uh, it is... She was in Snowpiercer, Midnight in Paris, Milk. I don't really recognize... Or I don't really recognize... She looks familiar, but I don't recognize her. Allison Pill. Allison Pill. No, that, that's not her. Okay. It's not Allison. Allison Pill was the drummer. Oh, I'm is thinking, it? Yeah. I'm thinking of... Uh, oh, it is. May Whitman. That's who it is. May Whitman. Uh, Let me see if I can I get, No, I guess she's not the girl. She's not Anne, but she looks like her. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, she does. She kind of looks like Allison Pill at the same time. Yeah, a little bit. I can see that. May Whitman is Anne, isn't she? Uh, I don't see it on here. Let me see. May Whitman. Oh, wait. Yeah, yeah it is. She is. All right, yeah. Her? Yeah. That's it. <laughs> even 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 in real life, she's unremarkable. <laughs> <laughs> we couldn't have planned that to come out any better. Yeah, that. Looks, uh... <laughs> so we got egg over here. Yep. Uh, Anne has a great deal of mass. Um, so, yeah, we we haven't uh, we haven't talked about Arrested Development enough, I guess. But yeah, that's that's pretty much it. That that was a fine one. Did you have something you wanted to say about that relationship, or you just thought it was an interesting uh, twist? Yeah, I, I mean, I thought it was fine, but I, there was, I can't remember exactly what it was, but even there, there was some sort of, like, reaction to it by Scott that was like, dude, get your head out of your fucking ass. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the scene uh, right before that, I think, is when he's walking down and sort of ignorant to everything that he's done. Uh, he doesn't recognize that, like, the drummer girl doesn't like him because of what he yeah. did and everything like mm-hmm. that. Like, he's trying to justify his actions uh, to Ramona at that time. Right. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. Where We have the B-roll for Edgar Wright left um did you pick out a movie that you're interested in i did not really review so we're still up in the air nothing is set in stone but i was wondering you you would say end of the world or whatever that last one was yeah i feel like i feel like worlds well I, it's a tough call because if i wanted to pick one that was like worthy of of another look uh i would say world's end because that's the one that i know people like the least Mm-hmm. But if we wanted to pick one that was a just a hard uh, refuting of these other two as to what makes his movies good, then I'd probably pick Hot Fuzz. So yeah. I don't know. I uh, hmm. I don't know. I think I think World's End has both things in it. So let, let, yeah, let's 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 do World's End because I think right. Hot, Fu- Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead have enough people talking about them in general. I think World's End deserves another look. World's End is at 89% on Rotten Tomatoes. So we'll, we'll, we'll stick with that one. It's got a... I've never seen this. It's got a cast that I think is enjoyable to look at right here. Um, came out in 2013. And it's 109 minutes, which is right in my sweet spot. Yeah, let's do that one. All right, we'll do that one. We'll do the World's End. Um, and then after that, I guess we'll be... Are we going to go back and do uh, the B-rolls for Stuart and... Ridley Scott, I think, just to, yeah, to let's sort do of that. full just circle to, everything. Yeah, just uh, what's the word? Round it out. And yeah, we should, we'll do. 
We can green room for Patrick Stewart, I think, and then we have to decide on Ridley Scott. We should look up. I can't remember exactly when those initial episodes came out, but we should talk about. We should talk as though we are still in that time period, <laughs> just so people don't get confused. It was our pre woke selves. I'll talk about yes. all my all, yeah all the ex girlfriends and then the jealousy that I blame completely on everyone else and on myself. About it. we could talk about how excited we are for the outcome of the twenty sixteen election. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be like the unreleased badass episodes. Yes, can't, yeah. <laughs> can't, <laughs> can't possibly go wrong with this. Oops, nope. this is a lot more editing. Uh, let's see. So that's it, guys. Thank you very much for listening. We'll be doing the. Uh, we'll do World's End. Will be the next one. Then we'll round it out. Uh, Patrick Stewart with the Green Room, and we have to decide on a Ridley Scott B roll. We'll do that afterwards, and then we have to do a women actor is our next one. So a female actor. Uh, so I'll put up. Does a it poll have to be an actor? Because I, I'm, I, I'd say, I say. Well, I'll leave it up to you. I was gonna say, mix it, mix them together or something. Because I desperately want to do Catherine Bigelow, and please don't take that out of context. <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> that's the opening to this episode. <laughs> yeah. No, but yeah, I, I think I think Catherine Bigelow movies would were, are are awesome. I would love yeah, to. Yeah. Uh, her best one would be good, which is probably like Hurt Locker, I think, or maybe yep. Zero Dark Thirty. I can't remember. I don't know what her worst one is, but I'm sure that one's probably interesting. And for the B roll, I desperately want to talk about Near Dark. So sure. I, I want to get to her eventually. Sure. Well, to keep with the uh, the flow, we'll do we can do female and then uh, so it's female actor then female director and then yeah, we're back. That's fine. So she'll yeah. be she'll be in the the near future. Um. I guess that's it. So thank you guys for listening. Thank you for supporting the show. You can see the Facebook and Twitter for these uh, Real Ripe and Real Ron episodes. Discord. There's the Discord. All the Star Trek stuff is in there. Real Ripe is in there. It's under the Penske file. You can follow the link in the video description below. And also go to patreon.com slash the Penske file if you want to support the show. And if you like what Real Ripe and Real Ron is, that's the best way to do it. Head over there. And you give a couple dollars a month and you get extra stuff. And we are greatly appreciative of it. And here we give a shout out to our captain level Patreons or patrons who support all the shows. Stephen Cobb, Eric Johnson, Jay Stanley, David Kay, Nick Sergi, Nathan Elliott, Michael Pond, Matthew Cutler, Will Yates, Matt Flores, Samuel Custer, Santos Gonzalez, Robert Cummins, Andrew Cherlog, Spinobi, Russ Graham, Decker Sebastiani, Neil Brennan, Bradley Killens, Mike Burnett, Matthew Ross, Ben Douglas, Kyle Barrett, Joint Mango, Tark Latif. Guys, thank you very much. You make these shows possible. All right, Clay. I think that's it. We're done with Scott Pilgrim versus the world. And this is, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been interesting. He, he, this Edgar Wright has been a, a director who has snuck in and sort of undone. I mentioned at the top, he's undone the point of the show. Like I, when the, when the movies fall into this middling ground, it's very weird for me that the, uh, it doesn't follow the context of this is neither a great movie nor a bad movie. And both of his have ended up in that zone for me. So who knows? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's he's fine. I I I do I do enjoy Edgar Wright movies. I shouldn't say he's fine. I do I do look forward to what he's gonna do next. Um, do you prefer him over Wes Anderson? Over Wes Anderson? Ooh, well, would you? A, we, we mentioned it before. Like, I have the same reaction to mm-hmm. the, like if someone's like, "Let's watch this Edgar Wright movie," I go, eh, "I don't know about that." Like, I story? I look forward to his movies more than I look forward to Wes Anderson movies. I I feel like who's the better filmmaker? Uh, ugh, that's a tough. I one. think Wes Anderson is better, but I would say the same. I would I would less like to watch a Wes Anderson. The other person who I think is it Noah Baumbach? Is that his name? 
You know that oh, I know, I know him, but I haven't seen anything he's done. Yeah, I, I feel the same way for him about those guys. It's all very... I, I don't know how to describe it. I feel like Edgar Wright is the the pop culture of that group of directors. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's it's kind of funny, actually, because you can kind of define those directors by the music that they use on their soundtracks. Yes, they, um, they're very specific in their taste about what they yeah. like. Yeah, uh, Edgar Wright is like is more T Rex, and uh, Wes Anderson <laughs> is more like you know uh, Paul Simon, yeah, or, or Simon yeah. and Garfunkel, you know, yeah, um, the unreleased B sides of Simon and Garfunkel. I think it's like it's just like what the hell is this? Yeah, lots of lots of acoustic. acoustic Noah Baumbach would be Paul stained. Harmon. It's been a while over and yeah. over again. <laughs> <laughs> we oh, we all stained. You know what? You know, Fred Durst brought about a lot of the music that destroyed the early two thousands. But Fred Durst is also a director, and I look forward to doing his real ripe and real rotten. Does, movies. Has he made it? I don't think he's made any movies, has he? He has. He's directed a couple movies. Oh god! One of them got extremely good reviews. Which? What's that? Let me see here. Fred Durst. It was the dirt. It was the best of times. It was the Durst of times. <laughs> um, let's see. His highest. Dri- oh, that's not. That's not director. Okay, maybe it didn't get good reviews. It's at 50% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's The Education of Charlie Banks. Oh, really? I've heard of that movie. And then he directed I, The I Long Shots. I look forward to never watching it. So he's got two. We'd have to do The Long Shots and The Education of Charlie Banks. Or um, we could just, you know, not do either. <laughs> and, and spend our time on someone who actually warrants... A look back at their filmmaking career, Clay. I'm not. I'm not going to do a podcast, hit record, and not just, just scream. Let's roll and roll and roll and as we as we head into a podcast yeah, about Fred well, Terrace, yeah. I don't think we're, we're so, from a different era. <laughs> that's about it. Uh, thank you guys for listening. Thank you for supporting the show, Clay. Do you have anything else you want? To, parting words for Edgar Wright before we do his final one. So, um, yeah. I, I, do, do you have any final thoughts about him? You said you liked him. You didn't have any problem with it. It's just one of those. Who's who's the director you would tie him in with? Then I gave you the examples of Wes Anderson and Noah Baumbach. Who would you say he reminds you of the most? Um, he kind of reminds me of like a uh, a less depressed, less introspective Darren Aronofsky. Okay, because they both have a similar kind of. Uh, music video uh rith- rhythmic way to their uh, r- rhythmic repetitiveness to the way that they shoot and cut things a lot like a lot of the stuff that Edgar Wright does feels like a lot of the stuff that is in Pi or uh Requiem for a Dream or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um Aronofsky's kind of gone away from it since then, but uh Edgar Wright seems to be really exploring that stuff, which is totally fine. You know, it's just I think it's I don't want to sound like an asshole, but I feel like it's Maybe I'm I'm aging out of that stuff. Yeah, you know, like I yep. again, I, like I said about Baby Driver. If I saw Baby Driver when I was a freshman in college, it would probably be my favorite movie. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I, you know, it's not type. not to completely change subjects, but I was thinking about Fight Club the other night, and how I'd I really I would love to go. I, we should do David Fincher at some point, anyway. But uh, yeah. yeah, I would love to go back and watch Fight Club because I haven't seen it in years, and I loved it at the when I was younger. And I was thinking about it, and I was thinking about how I feel like my view of this movie is going to be insanely different than it was when I was in college. Yeah. Um, and probably that's part of the point of it, I think. <laughs> that's maturity as a director and writer, I think, right there. Anyway, we're going to we'll call it a day there. Um, 
we will be back with the B-roll, which is the world's end for Edgar Wright. And then we're moving on to something else. So, guys, thank you very much for listening. We'll see you next time.